This episode of the Golf Science Lab podcast is sponsored by Rapsodo. Rapsodo makes an affordable mobile launch monitor for any golfer. We all know that to get better, we need better feedback when practicing, and Rapsodo gives you just that. Things like distance, club head speed, ball speed, launch angle, and some really valuable information to help you play your best. They have put this thing up against some of the best launch monitors and have seen really good results when comparing it. It's accurate. I've tested it. We've done some videos. You can go check out what we've seen and all the details over on our YouTube channel. Use the discount code GSL for a really good discount. That is the discount code GSL or click the link on the post that goes along with this podcast. All right, let's get into it. We're on a mission to help golfers from all over the world achieve their goals by understanding what it actually takes to play their best golf. We're talking with leading instructors, researchers, and players themselves to find what is actually working. Hey, thanks for joining us today. You are listening to one of our partner shows. It is the Tour Coach Podcast with Tony Ruggiero. He has some phenomenal guests on talking about teaching tour pros. He'll have his players on. Just always a great show. Today was another great episode. I want to share that with you here on the Golf Science Lab Podcast. Let's get into it. So we're sitting in here on the Tour Coach Podcast with Jim McLean, teaching legend and Jim. I always tell people, as I developed as a teacher, still developing and learning every day, but one of the best things that ever happened to me was getting to do the radio show, and you were always so gracious and would come on all the time and sit in, and it was such a wealth of information for me to learn, you know, and pick the brain of teachers, especially like you, throughout the years, and so you've always been gracious with your time with me, and I appreciate it, and I appreciate you sitting in tonight. Well, thank you, Tony. I'm happy to do it, and it's good to talk to you tonight. Well, one of the things I want to talk, this doesn't mean you're old, but you've been doing it a long time, right? <laughs> and you, yeah. you've been, you, you had to be one of the first teachers that, you know, went out on tour and to tour events and those types of things. And I wanted to ask, like, how have you seen instruction and instruction of tour players change over the years? And then do you think it's been all for the better? Well, you know, there obviously a lot more technology. There's a lot more hand-holding right now. There's a little more independence back in the day. I think that everybody needs somebody they can go see that they trust. I think that's a good thing. I think coaching's become a lot more important in golf, certainly over the last, I don't know, 20 or 30 years, like coaching in all other sports. And they're, now there's, they've kind of gone into coaching on all the different skill sets of the game from the mental game to the short game to putting, driving, iron game. I mean, it's like everything where they're trying to get uh, a little bit from quite a few people. Yeah, I mean, it does. And it and it seems it seems like more and more players have like whole entourages or teams around them. And it seems like it's more that way every year that you go out there, really. Yeah, well, you have to look at who's doing the best and what type of player needs all that different type of coaching? I'd say Bryson DeChambeau which just can't get enough information, and he's jumped around to some different people and certainly got into physical fitness. Other players, Justin Thomas, having just his dad out there, and uh, I think Dustin Johnson, the number one in the world at the moment and been near the top for quite a few years, mm-hmm. has been very simple on what he works on. So it's it's definitely not that 
all players are going to a lot of different coaches for different aspects of their game, but you do see more of it. I want to talk about technology and research because sometimes, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but you listen to a lot of teachers and they would act like that research and using technology and science is all brand new. But I know from some of the times I've listened to you and talked to you, I mean, you have, I mean, research and trying to find the answers and using the latest technology isn't a new thing, and you've been doing it for an awfully long time. Yeah, well, I had biomechanics at uh, at Durrell in, in the mid-1990s, and then I hired Dr. Rob Neal, who's a top biomechanics mm-hmm. researcher, and he came to work for me in 2003 for 11 years. So we had his uh, machine at Durrell all of those years. I've got, I had gears at Durrell. I've had gears at my school in Texas. I've got gears here at the Biltmore. So um, gears, if, if for people that don't know, is pretty sophisticated biomechanics. And then, of course, we've got all the other stuff, sure. TrackMan and, and BodyTrack and Sam Putt Lab. And, you know, we got all the all of that stuff. But you still have to be able to go out and teach, Tony. And I think anybody can read numbers off a machine, but you, mm-hmm. you have to put it all together. When you use stuff like gears, did it change anything about anything you thought that was <laughs> happening, or did it just help measure it better? I think it helped measure it better. I felt pretty good about the empirical evidence that I found from studying video where we we would take the top 100 players or even more than that some years uh, and go through every player and see what they're doing, how much lateral motion they have, what the head's doing, what the right foot's doing, what the left knee's doing, and then try to put it together to see what are the common denominators were, what things you really need to work on. And what we definitely see is that Every swing is unique. You take the top 10 money winners every year, and you see 10 different positions at the top, for example. Yeah, absolutely. You did that. Did you do that every year? You took the top 100 players and yeah. researched? Well, we started doing that a long time ago with my great research friend and partner, Carl Welty. We we filmed everybody out at, in California when he was there and, and uh, wherever else we might get the film. But I started just with Carl and I, and then when I started doing my own schools, and really that was in 1991, but we would start uh, researching. Well, I mean, I would do it myself, but w- once I had a lot of people working for me, it was a lot easier where, where we could just, you know, they'd take one thing to look at and go through and watch 100 players and see who moved their head the most, who, who moved it the least. Do the players go up or down, to right to left, toward the ball, away from the ball? Does anybody keep their head absolutely steady? You know, just the, a lot of little things like that that you just helps you to, I think, to, to teach better, and it's especially true when you're working with better players. No question. No question. That's a great point, especially about better players. And one of the things I've always liked about you and respected about you is obviously sitting out in my backyard, you can hear a car go by. But uh, <laughs> yeah. what, Beauty of Mobile, Alabama. But um, one of the things, you know, is well, obviously had tons of success teaching tour players and, and so many great players, but you also teach tons of regular golfers I mean, or, you know, golfers that want to get better that come to your schools or come to your lessons. And I've always found that because I've always enjoyed that. I've always enjoyed trying to help people at all different skill levels. And I think that's a that's an art of a real teacher, like somebody that's able to one minute you're on the tee with somebody that's won a major and then the next minute you're on with somebody that's, you know, an accountant or something. And, and, and to me, that's an important part of learning how to teach and growing as a teacher. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, it's a big challenge to work with all the different types of people that you and I work with all from all walks of life, young people, you know, teenagers, uh, mid-range people, and older people, and try to uh, figure out how to help them. And 
what's going to work for them. And, you know, we kind of run the gamut from hands and arms teaching, which can be great, but more or less uh, or Ernest Jones or Jim Flick kind of teaching mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, Jimmy Ballard or, or the big muscle swings of Ben Hogan's ideas on, on the big muscles, which is much more advanced. And I think you've got to be able to, to spoon feed people at the right time, the right amount of information and not get over your skis, so to speak, you know, where you, you, you're telling them way too much, too far ahead and, and they can't handle it. Yeah, I had a, early in my teacher career, I, I, I'm sure I was like every young assistant teacher you've had, but like, you know, you're trying to press the boss, <laughs> you know, and I yeah. was with a student and, and my mentor that I worked for for a long time, Hank Johnson, told me, pulled me back and he said, you know, sounds like you're trying to take get a sip of water from a fire hose, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, he's like, you don't have to tell the guy everything you know about the golf swing in the first 16 minutes of the lesson. But that always stuck with me. And, that you know, and that's been a constant as I've been fortunate enough to interview or to talk to and be around great teachers like yourself. It's the you know, it seems to me quite often that the best teachers actually say accomplish a lot while saying some of the least, talking the least amount in the lesson at times. No question. I've got a, a lot of young teachers assist to here that in Miami, um, and for sure their main thing is talking too much. And you've got to give people a chance to hit some shots. And, you know, the, the young teacher might try to teach on every swing, you know, tell them, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, you got to back down and, and give give a person some air and let them breathe a little bit and, and also give yourself time to assess multiple shots and give yourself time to make an accurate diagnosis because I think that's what good teachers really are able to accomplish is a good diagnosis for that person in front of them. And like you and I were talking about, that could be a very simple thing for a, a higher handicap golfer versus something pretty technical with a with a tour player. No question. And and you talked about your you know, the folks that have come up under you. I, I was I was sat in on something the other day and I mm-hmm. I talked about the fact that I as I was coming up and you know, I, I thought mentoring was a big deal and I think that's a big part of getting better as a teacher. And you're one of the great mentors in the game. You look through the lists and the people that are coming up that are great teachers and so many of them have spent time with you, whether it's at Doral or your or a bunch of your locations. When you look at that and you look at the success you've had developing teachers, which I think is as important for our game as developing players because those teachers go out and don't always teach tour players, but they teach a lot of people to learn and enjoy the game. What are some of the things that you look and you look at like that are important for teachers if somebody's listening to this that maybe is at the beginning of their career and, you know, just getting going? What is some of your advice for those fledgling teachers? Well, we do a lot of training down here and at all the golf schools uh, as far as um, making the, the guys and girls get up and speak in front of the other teachers, being being able to articulate what are you teaching. I think that's a very simple question that you could ask a lot of teachers, and I'd like them to be able to tell me what they teach in 50 minutes. And I think <laughs> some people would run out of time, you know, run out in 30 seconds of what they teach and not be able to really stand up in front of a crowd and just answer that simple question. Not not to mention teaching driving and fairway medals and chipping and putting and bunker technique and et cetera and all the skills skill levels you need to be able to teach well. So um, I think uh, obviously now if you can you can do a lot of training on YouTube or Instagram, but I, I don't think there's anything that replaces actually going to see a teacher 
teach or take a lesson yourself. I thought that's, right. that's a really good thing. I love that, but I, I agree. Like, I think that it's so easy nowadays for people to take, like, a lot of these online classes and these virtual things. But right. to me, the best to me the best learning has always been watching somebody or sitting down and having a drink with them and showing them videos of your own students and asking their opinions. You know, those types of things to me are just so valuable in the learning process. Well, I totally agree with that, and I encourage all of my guys and girls to – Go see other teachers. Uh, go listen. You always learn something. It's a different way of saying something or a different way they approach a, a lesson. I think that's really good. And, and I do think it's best to actually make the trip and go see them. I, I know mm-hmm. you, there's a lot of things we can do right now, and, but there's nothing like the actual experience of taking a lesson yourself. And I think you really get a lot more from a teacher when you take a, the lesson yourself because you're paying for the time. You're totally immersed, and, and, and you've got their full attention. You can also go watch people teach. I'm pretty careful about not doing that because one of the benefits for my assistants that are here, we have six assistants right now at the Biltmore, mm-hmm. is they can come watch me teach. But as you know, Tony, if you mm-hmm. get too many people watching a lesson, they got enough pressure on them, you know, without oh. being observed by, you know, five golf pros. Yeah, it turns into like a clinic in reverse. More teachers than you have students, and and it's not good for anybody. No, I mean that's but I love that. I, and I and you know, folks are always asking like, how do you get better? And and I just think going out there and and watching and and oftentimes to me like just sitting and talking, you know, yes. having lunch with the teacher, just yes. great, and picking really their brain, you know, is mm-hmm. is fantastic advice. I agree completely. Can couldn't agree more. So. Take us back like you were an extremely accomplished player, University of Houston. How important do you think it is to be able to play the game when it comes to teaching? And then how much do you do on the golf course with your students? I like to spend a lot of time because, you know, maybe it's just my personality, but I was just curious how important you think that is and for all levels of players that you're working with. I think, um, yeah, the ability to demonstrate is a huge benefit. I know there are good teachers out there, great teachers, and didn't play much or don't have much of a playing background. You know, for me, having played in a, a lot of big tournaments and tour events, that mm-hmm. I knew the players, so it was a little easier for me to go on the range in the beginning. You know, a lot of the guys were good friends of mine. And, uh, you know, it just gave you a better entree into uh, that bigger time teaching. And certainly going out to play or going out to watch your student on the golf course is a really big thing. And I do that Often, certainly in the golf schools, we do that. But when I have a, a tour player come in, I want to go out and see what they're doing out on the golf course. Yeah, there's nothing nothing like being out there on the golf Getting course different, with them. Different shots, different shot shapes, what they see, what kind of trajectory they're trying to hit the golf ball. And a lot of things that they already know, but sometimes they need a refresher on some of that simple stuff. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's amazing. Isn't it amazing, like, how many, you know, how great they are? how great tour players are and how sometimes it can be something like you can walk up and it can be something like ball position or it could be aim. And, you know, they, they're into a total panic. Like, why am I, why is this ball this or that? It, it, it never ceases to amaze me how sometimes the solution for some of these players can be something so simple. I had a tour player today, a top tour player, uh, send me a note and asked me to send some videos to me. And I took a look at him and he, he wanted to get a fade, and he said, I, I just can't hit a fade. And, you know, what do I do? <laughs> and so, you know, 
I told him some really simple things. One of them I said, have you thought about, you know, moving your driver a degree more open? And uh, no, I hadn't thought about that. And, uh, you know, moving the ball a little forward, opening your stance, rotating better through the shot. And he loved it. You know, just loved it. He said, oh, that's great. That's great stuff. But very, very simple stuff. And uh, But, you know, sometimes you just need uh, somebody to tell you something simple, too, because you always tend to doubt yourself a little bit. I think that's in all sorts, actually. Everybody needs needs a little coaching and a little backup to tell you you're doing the right thing. Don't you think? Yeah, and, and I agree. And I think especially with, like, you know, better players, like I think sometimes they're just looking for affirmation that everything's okay. Mm-hmm. That's right. Absolutely. And sometimes you get – well, I think when you're working with a tour player, of course, my feeling is you've got to be very careful. It's their life right, that you're dealing with, you know, their their source of income. And, you know, you've seen some guys – go to teachers and get worse and, uh, sure. and that happens and so we're, I think we're all trying to be very careful with saying something to you know a, a guy that's already on the tour anybody that's on the PGA tour is a tremendous player so it's not going to be usually too much for them to uh, to adjust that's an interesting thought too because I've always thought that with folks that would come to see me you know, in the last several years, folks that play for a living, like I've never looked at it like I've, I've always felt like they're already there. They're already great players or you wouldn't have a PGA Tour card. So it's not like we would ever need to rebuild or, you know, totally change everything because they're already good that they got there. And to me, that seems where some players get lost. And I'd love your opinion on this, but like they've already got a PGA Tour card and then they go down that road of search and thinking they've got to make huge changes to become better. And, and to me, that doesn't work out very well for very many people. Yeah, I think the things that that's happened for me with with some players uh where they got off doing something and we had to rework their swing path or their setup and the way they're thinking about their golf swing. I've had that happen a, a few times, but there've been pretty significant reworks where they got off the track, you know, where they got mm-hmm. where they got doing something that really didn't work for them. Mm-hmm. and they're stuck. And then there's been a few times, uh, one was with Tom Kite just a long time ago, but where he had a, a bad 1991, and he was really unhappy with his game. And he's a, Kite was always a, a very good friend of mine anyway. And he said, listen, Jim, I'm really in bad shape. I just want you to tell me what you think. Do not worry about me telling me too much. And so, you know, sometimes you get a green light situation like that doesn't happen very often. But we know, and this is a guy that was already obviously a really great player, but we spent a lot of time working on his game in different places. I flew with him a few places, and he won the 1992 U.S. Open. Uh, so that was, it worked out pretty good. What did you change with him? What, what, when he said that to me, when a player said that, and you're like, okay, I got the green light, where did you go with that? Well, Tom was, you know, he always tended to lay underneath it and, and, mm-hmm. and swing too far inside out. And he was moving, he got into a really wide stance, and he was moving really far forward on the ball. And he was playing the ball way forward in his stance. He was hitting his short irons terrible. I mean, hitting him really short, really high. So, you know, I'm, I kind of worked on him like some mind-blowing thing where I, I felt like, you know, I almost had him <laughs> leaning toward the target, which he was moving way off it. Right. And uh, and then taking the club way more to him, I, we picked out some of the outside of the target line. I, and, I, you know, eventually I had to have him feel like he was taking it outside the target line. But when we put it on video, it wasn't happening. So he loved seeing <laughs> that. And, and then when he went through, he felt like he hit his 
left leg almost with his left hand coming through <laughs> of swinging the club down. And he actually went to the open with a swing thought that most people couldn't break a hundred with and, and, uh, and one that opened was crazy, you know, but that was, you know, we, we'd watch it on video. I had a line on a net and he, he could not start the ball left to that line. You know, I, you could put a gun to his head. He couldn't do it at first, but, <laughs> but eventually we got his start line good and uh, it worked out, but I probably, if I didn't know Tom Swell and I didn't feel like, you know, he was such a great putter in those days and such a great wet short game, you could kind of take a little more of a, a chance uh, yeah. on his game because he was just apoplectic, you know, about how bad he was hitting. He just, he, he just, it was a total green light situation. You know, and here's another question. Like, so, you know, and we're talking about Tom, like, but like, when you looked at it, was he really hitting it that bad? Because sometimes tour players come and think they're hitting it really bad. You know, and they're not hitting it as bad. You look at the stats and stuff as they were. Was was he really yeah. hitting it as bad? Well, he was hitting the heel. You know, when you're taking that, you know, he was hitting mm-hmm. too far from the inside. And, and the general mistake when a guy that's too much in to out is going to hit it in the heel, and a guy that's too steep is going to hit it in the toe. So that's basic teaching. And and he was hitting so many shots in the heel. And you know, for a good player, I mean, a great player like that. When they can't hit the center of the club face, I mean, that's like beginning golf to them. Are you saying, <laughs> yeah. you're telling me I've been playing for 30 years and practicing every day and I can't hit, I can't even hit the center of the club face? And uh, so that's the kind of frustration that can happen to um, a, a top player where they're off that much. And, you know, I think that getting, changing this, his, his, his swing path really helped him, and the feeling of bringing those hands, arms back in close to him instead of having his arms go out away from him was an exaggerated thought for him, but but that's what worked for him, and he got it right back on the center of the club face. Well, you know, before the U.S. Open, he wanted, he, he, he was at Doral, and he uh, barely made the cut, and then he shot 65-69 at Doral, played really good the last two rounds, and then he won at Atlanta, which got his mm-hmm. confidence good, and then he won the U.S. Open. So, um, that that's how that rolled, but you know sometimes you get lucky as a teacher. That's what I would say. There's no question about that. But it's interesting with good players, and you know how sometimes you can give them a feel, like you said, where they you know, take the club outside this and make your the club and your mm-hmm. hands feel like you're going to hit your left pocket, and it can be so exaggerated. And then once they see it and they see that it's good, and then they can do that feel over and over. Like that's all you got to do. Then they're off to the races because they've got something they can do. Yeah, I think I really think that having a specific swing thought is a great thing. You know, you knew Manuel De La Torre, and I was I did a number of seminars with Manuel, who was our first teacher of the year, national teacher of the year, and um, he told me he said, "Look, if I could get somebody to think of do this and do that, and they trust me, then when they go to the tournament, they do this and they do that and they hit it good. I mean, that's a very positive way to play golf as compared to." you know, a very vague idea that that you can't kind of hang your hat on. Yeah, I, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, they come and they say they've got, they think it's a bad thing they've got swing thoughts. But I think <laughs> knowing what you need to do to hit good shots and the ability to, like, have it to one thought or, or a feel and to go out there and try to do it each time is good. I know? do, too. I do, too. I, I, I think, to me, that's why I've, I've loved position teaching where I can show people wherever it's they need where they've been in a bad position and take them to a 
you know, maybe a halfway back position or at the mm-hmm. top or how they start down, where they have clarity to what I'm looking at. And it's, again, it's not a vague, big picture idea. It's a little more focused picture. And to me, for me and my teaching, that's been the greatest thing for me in instruction is to have a have them leave with a really good plan. Yes, yeah. And, that, and to me, that's one of the great things that you can help, especially golfers coming up, is they – it seems to me that they, you know, club level golfers go to the range. They don't ever have a plan of what they're working on. Junior golfers, they don't have a plan of what they're working on. And if you can give them the plan of what they're trying to work on and why, and they can really understand the why, then you've kind of empowered them that when they go to practice, they're actually getting better at something. Absolutely. And, you know, well, this is really a game. All sports are are critical, I think, to learn earlier but when you try to learn late in, in life in golf, it's a, it's really a tough game. And uh, <laughs> I, you have to be very patient as a teacher to stick with people and not allow them to get ahead of themselves so they can have a chance of progressing. Because if you, if they if they get too far forward in their thinking, they just are going to play terrible golf the rest of their life. No question about it. Now, last question. So you've seen so many great players, and over the years you've taught so many of them and so many of them have come through Doral. But you look at the young crop, the, the tour players out there now, when you watch those, who are your favorite ones to watch and are the ones that you're most impressed with what they do? Yeah, I'll tell you, the, this young crop of players that just one after another jumps up and wins a tournament. Obviously, Colin Marikawa just looked so great last year. Mm-hmm. Victor Hovland is just, I think, going to be a a really great player for a long time. Matthew Wolf's been fun to watch. Scotty Scheffler, you know, and then I know I'm, you know, Neiman is great. Uh, they're just, and I, I know I'm missing a few, but they're they're uh, they're so good. There's there's so much good teaching out there now, and we've got all these advancements in, in the game for people to check what they're doing. They're coming out strong, and the game looks good right now. I'll tell you. Uh, so. I, I think these these young guys are 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 going to have make a a big splash here in 21. That's awesome. Actually, I lied. That wasn't the last question. Why do you oh, think geez. there's so much good teaching out there now? Well, well you brought it up. I was like, well, you know, is what what do you think helped that on? Well, I think that the ability to do the teaching and coaching summits. You have done a lot of speaking all over the place, Tony, and 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 spread out a lot of great stuff and. I've spoken a lot of places around the world, and they've just grasped a lot of this good knowledge. A lot of it came from the United States out to Asia and Australia and New Zealand. But uh, I think South Africa has had great players for a long time. They've had some great teachers down there. And I think we've just progressed as a teaching profession in many ways. And I think that's the, the biggest thing has been the for people like you who have gone out and helped a lot of uh, the young teachers I think that's made a big difference. Seems like, too, we're in an area where I guess technology helps, but where we're able to share more, you know. Yes. And, you know, you can send a video to somebody and or, or communicate with them. And, and also, but teachers like yourself that have had success, I think a big part of it is just because you guys are open to helping 
young people and people coming up behind you and that. So I, for one, I appreciate all you've ever done and you've always been kind to me and I appreciate you taking the time to sit in with me this evening. I know you got plenty of things you could be doing after a long day of teaching, but uh, I appreciate that and the support and, and hopefully when things get back normal and I'm in South Florida, we can I can sit down and see you. I look forward to that and I always enjoy talking about golf. You know that. So oh, I thanks do for know having that. me on the show. I appreciate it, Tony. Absolutely, Jim. Talk to you soon. 